Welcome to The Travelling Senorita, episode number 51. I rounded number 50 last week with Will Smith, aka my son, and it felt really good to have the questions turned on to myself as to why I've been doing these podcasts. I also committed to him that I would be doing another 50, so I will get to 100, and that is um, a privilege for me to do because I really enjoy digging deeper and finding out people's stories that relates back to place because let's face it, We are all just particles of dust and molecules floating through this beautiful earth. There you go. That's exactly how I feel in 2020. And um, I pay homage to her um, and her messages, Mother Earth. And um, as a travel writer, I'm currently grounded, but I'm I'm, I'm working with it. But I uh, also am loving finding out people's stories that have travelled around and listening to them uh, and their journeys because it keeps me up there in the air. So today I found myself over on the Gold Coast with a, a very dear old friend of mine, young looking old friend of mine, uh, Rachel Valentine. Hello, Rachel. Hello, Kylie Mitchell Smith. <laughs> we always do that to each other. Firstly, can I just say, I love your laugh, so we're going to laugh a lot through this podcast. Firstly, can I just say, where do you get a name like Rachel Valentine and how come I don't have that name? <laughs> well, actually, a bit of a story with that one. It's not my real name. Yeah, so my real name is Rachel Mandrigan and um, when I was studying millinery back maybe seven years ago, um, I had to think of a name for the, for the hat making and so no one can spell Mandrigan or pronounce it. So I created Rachel Valentine for my millinery label. I love that. Can I just stop there with your surname? Where is that surname from? It's from the Ukraine. Yeah, so we don't know much about it actually because my grandfather, he came over from the Ukraine and he fled the country and he hasn't really shared much with us of his story or or what has happened and um, we don't really know if the name is even real or yeah, my dad's got an inkling that it's not our real last name. So is he still alive, your grandfather? No, he passed away a couple of years ago. This is why I think this storytelling, particularly podcasts, is so important because you can actually, um, you know, get the story down so that when your dad passes, when when you pass, because that's one thing's for sure, we're all going to die, uh, we actually have our stories there and we actually know our ancestries, which I think is really important. So maybe dig a little deeper with dad as you go through. Yeah, dad actually has tried, um, before my grandfather passed, tried to dig more about his family and um, yeah he really just couldn't get anything much information yeah. there. Yeah, I'm on a little journey myself with um, North American Indian descendants I'm really blessed to have that in my father's side so my grandmother comes from that line um, Sheila Sabine and I'm just starting to learn a lot more about it I knew that the grandmother sages were speaking to me but I didn't realize it was mine so I'm yeah. really blessed to have um, found that out but like you it's not really there's not there's not a lot of documentation around it. No. I'm just going to keep Valentine for now. I'm going to change it by Depot in a few years. Yeah, but you know what? You have got a bit of Eastern European (laughs) hanging around you, haven't you? I feel that in you. I do, for sure. All those um, folk handicrafts, hey? <laughs> yeah, and also there's, a, there's, there's that, that really kind fire side of you as well that's um, really driven. So, okay, Rachel Valentine. Now, Rachel has a wonderful place. Uh, I usually do this about two minutes in, called the Craft Parlour on the Gold Coast, which is just this iconic arts hub, really, for people to come along and create and make um, and just really be part of a tribe. But before we get there, I wanted to know a little bit about Rachel. Where she grew up and how she got to where she is today. 
Yeah, so I grew up in a little country town called Narragore. It's in South Australia. That's where I was born and my parents were also born there. So I lived um, a decade there and I moved when I was 10. We sold the family home and it was a big move for my parents because obviously they were born there too and all our family. So we left that behind and um, we moved to Tormina or Sortel, which is you know, seven k's out of Coffs Harbour. So I did most of my schooling there, the rest of my schooling, like the high school and rest of primary school. And then, yeah, I stayed there until I was about 19 and then I left home and I went and did a snow season down in Perisher. So after that, I went overseas and, you know, things Do you know, it's on. interesting, Tormina, so here's a connection. Sawtell's a, a, a beautiful um, part of this earth cool, and, yes. and, and you've always had that connection back to the coast. So I can see that because you are a global thinker and you're, um, you definitely got, you know, you, you, you don't follow trends, you create trends, but you're definitely, uh, you think on a really um, big picture global way. But I feel like that coast girl comes out. Oh, for sure. I love the sea. It just grounds you. There's just all those positive ions. Like who, mm. who could not love the coast? So it's special. Up there must have really given you that. Yeah, it it was awesome, and I like especially when I got my license because I lived, you know, Tormina's just maybe I don't know four k's out of Sawtell, mm. so it's more in the burbs and Tormina High is where I went to school. So you know, as soon as I got my license, I got a car, had my little VW Beetle, and used to just drive to Sawtell every lunch break and after school and. Yeah, it was a fun place to grow up. So how does the um, creative spark get ignited in you after the ski season, for example? How does that all happen? Um, I think it was always there. Like, I really believe creativity is in everyone. You just need to tap in and unlock it and, you know, it runs on the journey. But, um, oh, I, I suppose I've always, like, been creative with my dad. He was always doing things like when I was living with him, we were just like always in the garage doing lead lighting or woodwork. He's an incredible um, cabinet maker, like he can just do anything with wood. So yeah, it was always in my family. My mum was an amazing sewer. And I don't know, after the snow, like I, I feel like I actually suppressed a lot of my creativity in the earlier years, even though dad and I were doing things together. But I just didn't really like have a niche, like I wasn't really doing art or I actually did art in school, to be honest, to take that back. Mm -hmm. So I did a lot of pottery and, and art after school. But then, um, yeah, with this the snow season, there's a lot of just debauchery, to be honest. Like, you're just, like, having, like, wild times and a lot of fun. Yeah. And then I went travelling for quite a bit after that. And, yeah, I feel like creativity still wasn't, like, a super strong thing in my everyday life. Do you like, know what's really interesting about that? We have a similar, we have a similar journey here. So I'm, I did pottery and art at school and drama and all those things. And then I just kind of... Maybe it was a sign of our times, pushed it to the side. Yeah. And my gypsy heart, my travelling heart yes. came through. But, you know, I'd always have something with me that represented that, whether it was my journal or my tarot cards or something. But it wasn't at the forefront. Where, like creativity in my 20s was sort of, you know, in the background per se. It had yeah. been there at schools, like you just said, and then yeah. it goes into the background. And then it bubbles back up again around about in your 30s. So before we head, because yours is absolutely, you're, you're on that trajectory now and you're not coming off it. No. So when you went travelling, what did, did you go away for a few years? What was that about? Yeah, I left Australia um, 
after the ski season, actually after the ski season, I went up and lived at north on um, Hayman Island. I worked up there for a season and then I went overseas and I, I went travelling for around three years that I left Australia. Was that early 20s? Yeah, it was like, um, yeah, it was early 20s mm. or mid 20s actually, I think it was around. Yeah. Yeah, so I, you know, I flew to London and at that point I really didn't even know mm. where London was. I just kind of just was like, I just need to leave Australia. Yeah. So yeah. I landed in London and then I just got a job in a hotel. I lived and worked in a hotel and then I just saved a little bit more money. And, um, and then I took a journey by land to India. So mm. basically just hopped on a bus and just kept adventuring until I got to India and it took seven months to get there. I actually will say, I was going to say that's a long way. It's, and can you actually get a bus the whole way? Yeah, well, I actually, like, you know, I on didn't... Your own? Yeah, I didn't intend to go on this journey. It was just, I met up with some friends in Italy and um, they were just backpacking around and I just knew that they were a couple and I just knew that I needed to go, like, I just was seeking more. Mm. So I just jumped on a um, on a plane, oh, sorry, on a boat, and then went over to Turkey. So when I arrived in Turkey, then I was just like, well, where else can I go? And mm. and then that just, you know, it's it's a and gateway. You're, you're, you're a woman on the yeah. Road, I was right? just on my own, and it was just like the gateway to everywhere. You know, we, the whole to, Silk wait, Route. Give me the years here. Like, what are we talking? Late nineties, early two thousand. No, no, it was like two thousand and. Um, 2002 yeah. is when I left Australia and yeah. then, yeah, so I was there, came back 2005. So pretty um, pretty sort of brave move for, for a young girl to be travelling on her own. You wouldn't have been thinking that at the time. No, of course. Like, I, I'm really adventurous. Like, I love being out of my comfort zone. I yeah. feel like that's where I thrive yeah, the most yeah. and grow the most. Yeah. So, but I, like, I can't say there was zero fear there like mm. you know you just by yourself like like I said I didn't really even know where London was and next mm. thing I'm you know on this adventure so yeah, but you are someone as well that is um you certainly don't take the piss you would have been really respectful of the customs of course how you dressed yeah and how you how you moved about in those places so I'm pretty sure you would have had a guiding light around you the whole time for sure <laughs> yeah I did and so when you get to India what happens there um well actually it was it was so interesting the, the day before I was meant to go to India so I was in Pakistan and um, I broke my arm mm, and so it was like all this journey to get to India like all I wanted to do was just go to India and all these months to get there and I was just about to get on a bus and cross the border and I broke my arm. How did you break your arm? Um, I just tripped over this actual it was probably really dodgy I was in a hostel and um, it was a gas a, a gas lead that was just near my bed and I kind of tripped oh. over it and it was really low to the ground it was really dangerous actually and then I didn't realize it was broken for all day and then then they put this really heavy cast on that took three days to dry <laughs> and so I just couldn't take my backpack over the border so I had to stay there for another three weeks or something which was really quite painful I met so many cool people like that I that was some really beautiful times, actually. There's a lot of Japanese travellers mm. there mm. that are going um, Pakistan, Afghanistan. Mm. So I had a lot of fun. And the hostel I was staying at in, um, in Lahore, they, 
he was this really cool guy that was just really into the local experience because obviously it's not really you know it's not traveled so well I don't know about now yeah but um at that time it was just really kind of kooky travelers (laughs) and there was a lot of cyclists um people cycling from Europe you know to Australia in two years and really interesting people so um yeah he was he was all about the local experience so he would take us to like really private um sufi dances and stuff which yeah just you you just wouldn't have got that experience i don't think if you didn't stay at that at that hostel or for a long time so there was a lot of travelers there just the lot of japanese just staying there for a really long time It was cool. It was a cool experience. And so what happens when you finally um, pick that car up? I, I, I went back after the, like the third day when it drove. I'm like, you have to take this cast off because I need to go. I need to carry my backpack. I'm just itching to go to India. So, um, yeah, I, I crossed over and had a, saw the border crossing, which is a show in itself for India, Pakistan. And, um, and then, yeah, I just went... Uh, pretty much saw a lot of India and just went up north, south, spent quite a few months there. Mm. Would Go- you, just on that, with the border crossing there, Yeah. because um, I went to Turkey and had, you and I had some parallel, I knew we'd had some parallel, yeah. but I didn't realise, I've actually um, unfortunately crashed a motorbike in Turkey and my friends kept going through to Egypt and I had to go back to London because I broke a few bits as well. Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, so a <laughs> similar fun. thing was happening down the bottom of Aludinez in Turkey, which is the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, and yeah, off we go. So it must be some sort of spiritual thing connection there. But did you? Would you um, find that you would do that border crossing now in the in the in the times that we're in now and what you know with war torn areas and and yeah, I think you... Pakistan, India, like um, yeah, I don't feel. I think I feel like um, Iran, Pakistan. When I cross there, is probably more heavily guarded, mm. um, and Pakistan itself. I don't feel as India as dangerous. I actually didn't feel in danger in any of the yeah. countries that I went. Yeah. You know, it's like when you're in there, you just, it yeah. feels so different. Um, but no, I think the India-Pakistan border, like it's, yeah, but look, it's years ago. It was years ago, so not sure about now. But it just feels like I'm always up for the challenge. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> and I think maybe we should do that together. Um, because next to it, next craft parlor to us. Absolutely. <laughs> I just feel like that landscape is something I would want to see in my life. Yeah, it's incredible and just like the place that are a bit more off the beaten track, like I don't know, that's just where my heart sings the most. It's yeah. it's what fills you up, it's mm. meeting the local, it's getting really close to to the, the culture. Mm, I was going to say it's a cultural experience, isn't yeah. it? This little place I was talking about was called Patara, which was, you know, 90-mile beach way down from um, Aludinez, which is where Blue Lagoon was. But we were in with the locals and I was such, I was so disappointed that I had to leave. Yeah, eastern <laughs> Turkey, as soon as you get past that tourist place part of yeah, western yeah, Turkey, it's like eastern Turkey is just next level, mind-blowing, beautiful. And I feel and like these areas real. haven't changed that much. No, they, they really haven't. Yeah. They I mean, look, that was so long ago that I was there, but it just felt like it hadn't evolved Maybe, in Rachel, that time. Maybe, Rachel, we should make a pact. That I often do this on my podcast, but I'm interested to do it. Uh, before we die, let's go and check it out again, hey? Let's do it. I'm keen. Oh, I'm, I'm keen. There. The I'm Silk there. Route. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I've, I've, we've manifested that. Okay, so now we've got our travelling three years out of our system. We've come back to Australia. Yes. And where do you... Where, what happens when you get back here? Yeah, I land in the Gold... I land in Brisbane, and then obviously I go home and see my family in in coughs for a bit and then I 
moved to the Gold Coast. Mm-hmm. The Sunshine and this State. this is where it all begins. This is where it begins. I meet my husband just quite shortly after I return home, which I'd, you know, I'd been single for seven years yes. and I was, I was waiting for that right person. Mm-hmm. I just knew I had to do all the travel before and, yep. and then he just walked into my life. He actually swept me off my feet. Happy love at well, first sight. Because <laughs> I love Sebi. I love your relationship yeah, and, and your he's partnership special. in your business. So where did he walk into your life? Um, he's through a mutual friend of ours, Renee. You know Renee? Oh, gorgeous. Yeah, so yeah. she invited me over to her house for a dinner party and there was a bunch of people there that I didn't know because obviously I'd been away for so many years. And um, I just saw him across the room, you know, it was just a small unit, but I saw him and I was like, wow, who is this guy? But I just didn't know if he was single or, you know, so, you know, I didn't talk to him that much because there was just all these people I didn't know. So I was, you know, chatting to everyone and I kind of talked to him at the end of the night and he was about to go to Japan and I had meant to end in Japan. So after India, I went back to London for a while and then you know, I did some more travel, came back to India and Nepal and I was going to go by land to Japan and so then the tsunami hit when I was in India. Mm. So I just couldn't, it forced me to come home. Obviously now I can see it forced me to come home so I could meet yeah, him. Yeah, exactly. But so yeah, we were just... we're not in control, honey. I know, it's no like control. the, the yeah. universe has got our back. That's right. So then, yeah, we were just chatting about Japan and he was about to go and live over there and yeah, that's how we hit it off and then... Um, a few weeks later, I, I saw him again, and yeah, that was it. Did you go to Japan? I did. <laughs> I love that. That's of so course. Cute. That's gorgeous. So that's a, that's about that's a long. You guys have been together for. Yeah, we've been together like fifteen years yeah, now. Fifteen or sixteen years. You're one of those couples that um, I know you both individually. Um, uh, but I also know you together and you're one of those couples that evolves as individuals but you also create and evolve together. Yeah. Which I think it's really, really special. So, Rach, you're on the Goldie, you're firmly on the Gold Coast. I meet you. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, uh, so some of my guests I, I, I need to research because I don't actually meet them in person. I do it over the phone. I don't know them. But with you, I know you. And, the, and how I know you is a visual that comes to me. I love vintage clothes because I'm an old, you know, young looking old Melbourne girl that has always rummaged through op shops and even used to drive to Adelaide with it and, and come back mum says with I'd come back with an old suitcase with men's clothes and wear them for days it's hilarious so when I saw you I was like oh hello Goldie because back then I mean I moved to the Gold Coast like 18 years ago or something it was a little blingy like it was very blingy to be really frank um, and I was like where's the grunge man and I have to say that when I found your this is a compliment when I found your rack of clothes I was like oh I found home and then we got chatting and we literally chatted over vintage clothes and I bought a whole lot of great stuff that I still have now and well I've kind of upcycled and sold and whatever and and I'm like always remember Rach as the vintage connect connection for me to the coast it was you and it was also Tara from Love Street so I've done a podcast with Tara before awesome. but it's that that's that cultural heartbeat that you made it you probably didn't even know you had that effect on people but you were in a time on the Gold Coast where it was still very much all that glitters is gold so talk me through how you managed to get this fantastic vintage um, reputation that you have <laughs> well I can say that the vintage store just came out Firstly, out of just the overwhelming amount of stuff I had from op shopping. Yeah, great. Because I've just, I've always op shopped as a teenager, you know, in, in Coffs, there's some great op shops. And I've just, 
it's always been so passionate about the the thrill of the the find and gone on little road trips and stuff to source things so um I did start just you know I can't leave think good things behind I think that's my problem any good op shopper it feels the same even though you don't need it and I actually don't my house is not cluttered or you know over complicated but it's just like those treasures that have got so much history in them that can't leave behind well just just on that you have left some things behind because <laughs> I, today I nearly wore the bicycle Oh, yeah. And whenever I wear it, so this was an Avon ding dong moment yes. where your nana would order some uh, skincare and you'd always get these little cute brooches with it. You and I was wearing it today for you, but I ended up deciding I'm, I'm wearing something a bit more contemporary that I knew you'd love from a millinery perspective. But this bicycle, every time I wear it, you have no idea, well, you would because you're into vintage, the amount of emotion it evokes in yeah. people. Oh, I remember that. And it's the ding dong Avon thing. And I've also got a, a red and white checkered. Um, tablecloth i've got a few of your beauties i've even got your holly hobby pillowcase so, oh well wow. so here you go you are actually leaving some of these behind but you but the people that are purchasing them off you yes are loving them as much as you do yeah i suppose i'm just not leaving behind at the op shop that's so why i'm like i'm grabbing them so <laughs> then the, they can the treasures can can go on and i love it and that's yeah that's i suppose how it all evolved with the this market store and then the village markets um appeared and wow they have just you know they changed everything for the gold coast let's just talk about those two girls for a little while because you were at the visionaries when when they (laughs) first launched you were there so let's for people out there that don't know what the village markets are yeah so that's how that's where my business journey began really um so having the store with the village markets marissa and sarah which I just feel such visionaries for the Gold Coast. Like they really changed up the arts and cultures. For from you know they're they've just turned eleven, so huge huge impact that it had. And um, yeah, I used to go along every week, twice a week. Sorry, not twice a week, twice a month. Mm-hmm. First and third of the month, and set up my stall and peddle my wares with all the other people and. Yeah, it was really good fun. It was such a great way to meet community and just chat to people. And I still, so many people come into the craft pile and they're like, I know you're from the village markets, you know, so. And so I guess this is place. where that real, um, uh, the business side comes in in a way, doesn't it? Because it becomes a business. Yeah, it, look, it's slowly, slowly, I'm still creative at heart. Um, I feel even six years being in the craft parlour and, you know, I did the markets, I think, for four or five years, so a decade in business and still learning so much. Like, I'm really so thankful for Seb to come on board with the craft parlour because he does all the accounts and, you know, creatives aren't really great with that side of thing and I don't ever pretend that I'm going to get better at it. Like, I just really don't have much interest in that kind of side of things so you know what it is Rach it's it's and and this is a game where you and I have a parallel it's the right and left brain you're asking your brain to swap right and I and I'm actually fortunate because my brain can do it quite quite quickly but as I get older I definitely want my creative side to flare more because the business thing for me I've done it you know and you know I've been successful and I don't need anything else materially but I need more creative um, sparks yeah, I feel the same. That's why uh, for me, COVID time was actually during that lockdown was really quite special, even though we pivoted as a brand. But um, I got a lot more creative time where I, I'm finding, you know, with the business sometimes, like it's it's the same with most pe- pe- creatives in business. Mm. Like the creativity part, it just, 
it, the business is always you're having to focus on the business so much that sometimes the creativity drops away and that's a sad part in business sometimes. I think and if you were to look at it like what what comes more naturally to you for me the answer is creativity yeah and yours would be the same so let's let's introduce the craft parlor what is the craft parlor? The craft, parlor, the craft parlor is this magical wonderland. Um, it's a space where we host workshops and private parties. We have crafty hens and baby showers and kids parties and, you know, just small little private events. And, yeah, we just do a lot of craft and making, bringing a lot of joy into people's lives through creativity. And so it started um, as a little creative spark and it's moved a couple of times but you've found your spiritual home now yeah so how did that uh how did you sort of start on that journey yeah well so uh, as I said I was doing the markets and then Seb and I um so even though we both traveled heaps before we met we hadn't really traveled together so we decided that we wanted to go over to South America so we went over there for a seven or eight month trip and where, while we were over there, I was just like, what do I want to do? You know, like I couldn't see. The markets were so great, but I'd already done them for four years. And I was like, what do I want to do when I come back? Were you and in Mexico by any chance? We were in Mexico. We got, <laughs> we got married in Mexico. It's the perfect place <laughs> to come up with ideas, yes. Yeah, so we were in Mexico when I kind of concepted this idea because it was that was the final part of our trip. And, and we were coming home and we just had all the feels of what are we going to do next? What's our next part? So... Um, it kind of just came to me and and we came back and obviously we'd spent all our money on the travel so we kind of had to save up and I just kept putting it out there like I just knew that this was going to happen like I knew that the community really needed something yeah. something like this mm-hmm. so I just kept kind of seeing believing in it and then I was like okay I need to take a bit of action because we need to get this rolling and then, Can I just ask if that was when you were sort of doing your millinery stuff as well when you came back? No, the millinery I didn't. I did in between. Um, still, when I was at the village market. Sorry, yeah, it's such no, a timeline. It's, it's remiss of me not to say your millinery because I also no, yeah. love you as um, a creator of incredible hats called Hattie. Hattie, yes, that was my we'll grand before that. That, that bit, but I'm just yeah, with the millinery. millinery. Yeah. So you want me to go to the millinery yeah, now? Yeah. Actually. Sorry, it was my fault. That's okay. That's all right. So yeah, the millinery was when I still had my stall at the village markets and I was just like, okay, um, I want to do something. I, like I'd been on that big trip and we'd been to Japan and then it's the same. Like I had come back from Mexico. It's just like, what's the next chapter in my life? What does it look like? And I was like, my mum was a really amazing sewer, but she did. She actually never had the patience to show me. So yeah, yeah. I didn't really get those skills from her, but I knew that I really loved it. So I went and studied fashion um, for a couple of years just at TAFE at Ashmore. And that was really great. And I failed at pattern making. That was just so hard, so mathematical. <laughs> but I really thrived in the sewing and just the creation yeah. of like, you know, alterating my alteration alterations with um the vintage clothes and things like that i love that side of it so i studied the fashion and then i worked in sewing alterations for a few years and then i went and studied millinery i was like okay maybe i want to do hat making so i did hat making for a couple of years and um, learned those skills and actually that's where the the name thing came in rachel valentine but then i don't know i kind of realized that the only market for that is obviously um cup 
yeah. car ra- yeah. like racing yeah, exactly. and also brides and then like the hat is as important as the wedding dress and yeah. I was like that's so much pressure <laughs> to create something as grand as a wedding dress so mm. and then after I've studied that I just kind of felt like that industry wasn't for me but it was really good skills to have and I, I learned a lot from it but then yeah, so I started moving into just the market hats. I think during the during the studies, I, I was. I just wanted to touch on that because it's also a visual I have of you with those beautiful hats because no one was doing that anyway. <laughs> you were absolutely <laughs> leading the charge on the Goldie on that one. Okay, so now we are in the craft parlour. Yes, so the conception of the craft parlour. So yes. yeah, um, I just decided it was going to happen. I started putting my feelers out there of, for getting a space and beautiful Kelly Drake, the artist at Marquetta that has just, you know, she's an incredible artist on the Gold Coast. Um, she did, also did the village markets and we we're just chatting one day and she's like, I think I have a space for you. And she did. It was like half a warehouse in Miami Marquetta. And Do you know it's bizarre, Rach? Because you and I have threaded each other. We're talking over a decade, but then I find you again. Yeah. Because I was doing Rabbit Radio. Yeah. You pop up again. Because all the creative, all the all the freaky people make the beautiful world. <laughs> and we're all hanging out together at Miami Marquetta. How funny is that? We are. It was good times. Yeah. So I got this studio space. I committed to it, and then all of a sudden, all the furniture appeared. So we got nearly every chair from Roadside Throwout. It was those days where the Roadside Throwout was still a thing. And we got all these amazing chairs. And um, my dad found the tables, which we still still have. Um, He found the tables. And everything just started appearing and it really started flowing. And that has probably been the most beautiful thing from the craft parlour is it has been in the flow. I've never experienced something so in the flow. It's really meant to be and it was in the flow from the very beginning and even from each space we've moved to, you know, it just keeps flowing. Yeah, and you've now flowed into this incredible space. Tell me about this house that you yeah. stumbled upon. Yeah, so um, bef- after Marquetta, we we outgrew that quite fast because obviously the the markets took precedent for, yeah, yeah. and we couldn't do so we couldn't do like Saturday afternoons because the markets were on at the Marquetta. So we wanted to expand, so we moved to. Um, Palm Beach and our beautiful friend Renee who Mm -hmm. found my husband for me also found this Mm -hmm. space for me Mm -hmm. so we moved to Palm Beach and um yeah that was and then hello Pablo Pablo yes I know I know you across the road (laughs) across the road I know (laughs) both both in Palmy Yeah, so and the brand really starts to really yeah. Find we its we had so much more space. We could we could say yes to so many more things. It was just it really started growing and getting momentum, and yeah. it was really beautiful to be part of. Yeah, and then um, obviously we always knew we we're on a demolition lease there. We we knew that that was going to end, and it it ended. And um, I just started telling my friends again, we need a new space. And then my other beautiful friend, Rachel Tordy, she found us our current location. So she just saw a Felice sign out the front, sent it to me, and we had just been doing a pop-up down south. And I just called them straight away, and we got to view the place before they had even signed it over to my landlord. So we were in straight away, and it was just incredible. And my husband did, everyone's probably seen the renovation. Well, because Sebi's got a, he's a, he's a builder. At heart. He's a yeah, he's at just heart. a jack of all trade. Yeah. Like he he doesn't have a building builder's license or anything. He's just he's one of the, yeah. He's <laughs> just one of those people that can just gives anything a go and succeeds at it. Love it. 
Love that. And now it's this beautiful space that is doing, I mean, yes, we've just gone through a global pandemic. We're still going through one, but you've reinvented yourself and you've been able to, well, what I love that you did as well, you delivered the, the, the creativity to people's homes. You got their hearts and you went, okay, guys, I need to, you had one underground for a little while. You reinvented yourself. And then you went, I want to talk to my community again and my tribe. I'm going to deliver some fantastic boxes to your house that you guys can make. And that went really well. Yeah, actually, that was so fun. Like, it was a lot of work because we pretty much launched a whole new um, business in, like, two short weeks. Like, you know, things that you would research, like we had to find suppliers and we're just running around like a lot of stuff buying retail and it was just a hustle to get everything and everyone was sold out of everything but we pulled it off and I'm so glad we did it was so much joy like I was delivering some of the packages to to the kids at home and yeah it was really special and I think everyone was really grateful for it. You kept your community connected, which is really important to you guys. Yeah, well, we missed our community. Like, our community is, you know, it's what lights up our soul. And it was just, we really missed our face, one-on-one, face-to-face workshops. So we're so happy they're back. Yeah, and so something, um, and you're just going along. I mean, every day is a different day, as we know right now. None of us are in control. But you're you're working with the regulations and guidelines that you have been given at the moment. You're able to do beautiful workshops back in that space that you love. But you had some really cool stuff planned for travel. We did, yeah. So we, we've done um, one tours. Like, obviously, travelling is still so deep in the forefront of my heart and mind. Like, I you know I'm so it's not fair that we're all grounded at the moment but it's what it is yeah so we have done one tour to India and we did that uh, yeah so we're we do craft tours so we've been um, planning and plotting with different creative people to make these really amazing tours so that they're unique and that you get to meet the artisans while you're on tour beautiful do some cool workshops so Um, We did India, I think, like a year and a half ago, and that was so much fun. We had the best group of 12 women, and the ages varied from, like, 25 to 65, and it was just so fun. Like, we just laughed. I've never laughed so much on tour, because I actually have never been on a tour, you know, because I've just been such a solo Solo. traveller, so that was my first time on a tour. And you're not just, like, you're not, like, a participant. You're a facilitator. Yes. So, so any, where were you going um, in the not so distant? Yeah, now? so um, after India, like it just lit up. I just was like, this is what I want to do more of. So then um, I planned a Morocco trip. Amazing. So that sold out really fast. I was actually really so shocked. When were you at how, meant to go on that one? We we're meant to go in October. Right. So, yeah. So we're looking at October next year. Yeah. So we've <laughs> postponed it for a whole year. Gorgeous. And I think in that time, I'll probably try to develop another. I don't know, maybe India or. You know what I'm thinking, Rach? I just had a bit of a, um, this is channeled. There could be a, um, a Red Desert um, Indigenous tour for you as well, to our own country, yeah. our own soil. Yeah, I haven't been. I've, been. I've been digging up some artisans um, lately. So that's something wow. that I think that um, you and I could actually have a little chat about connection-wise for some of our local um, Indigenous tribes that aren't that far out that you could actually take a crew out wow, the desert. I'd that love would be to do, I would actually love to do that. Think, yeah, so let's talk about that. Yes. So where, where um, Stay tuned. So, stay tuned. <laughs> so um, Craft Parlour is all online and amazing and Instagram is, is 
your biggest friend, which I love because yeah. it's, 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 a, it's a visual medium. Um, you, you're in visual arts, so it, it works. Um, and all the information is there. Thank you so much for your time today. I haven't given you the heads up on this. I think I did actually. Who and where inspires you? So it's a people and a place. I got this put on me the other day and I had to think off the top of my head and mine yeah. was very trippy. So um, <laughs> you can do whatever you like, Rach. Um, I think with the who, there's, you know, there's, I think there's definitely a lot of people on Instagram that you see in, in the instantly inspiring just from mm. the different feeds. Tess Ginnery for me is a huge oh, standout. Like I, everyone man. loves Tess Ginnery. She's, she's just gone overseas now she, too. Do you know that the only family I could, I was like, I can't believe that you've manifested. Amazing. A, a, international move during a pandemic the only the Guineries would do that so is her husband working over there yeah he's a, a stuntman amazing I saw them take off and I'm like so Tess is um has amazing uh, poetry books which yeah is, um, the apricot that, memoirs and yeah. the oh I've had a memory blank she's inspiring me every day because I'm as a little um as a little I've got it no I'll moonflower you, monologue that's the one yeah. every day that I flick and and um, I used to write a lot of poetry when I was younger, and as a writer, I'm absolutely heading into the poetry side of life. Um, and Tess inspires me, so she's amazing. So I can't, I can't her. wait to see what she creates after this time. Crazy, yeah, it's going to so be phenomenal. Where? Because that's going to be hard for a travelling gypsy like you. Where? Mm. For me, next. No, where? Where, where, inspires where, inspires you? where has inspired you? I feel like every country just you take so much from. Um, India always has my heart. I've been there four times now and I don't think I'll ever stop visiting there. Like I, I'll definitely um, develop more tours there. Um, Morocco I've been to as well and like I just, oh, the colours and the people. Like, Mexico. And you, uh, Rach, I was... Like, how, do, how do I choose? Anything? I was deliberately um, giving you more time so that you'd say yes. Mexico. Uh, my friend, it is always a pleasure. We are finishing this beautiful podcast now. And what a great story you had <laughs> with some parallels there. So yeah. thank you. Thanks for having me, Kylie Mitchell-Smith. Encantada. <laughs> Adios. Hasta luego. Hasta luego. <laughs> yes, 30 minutes.